or economic status here in James, it has nothing to do with what people should do with their money. It has everything to do with the perspective that you have. And the perspective should be, there's an eternity awaiting you and death comes to all of us. And for the person who believes in Jesus, exaltation is your future and really it's your present in Jesus. And for the person who has been wildly successful, death's going to come to everybody. Perspective is everything. How you see yourself, how you see the world, and how you live in it. In his message today, Pastor Daniel will encourage you to shift your perspective to that of your saviors. If you think about it, it doesn't really matter what you think of your circumstances. It matters how Jesus sees them. Ask him to give you insight, to give you wisdom, to know what to do and say, and he'll give it abundantly. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter 1 as he continues his message, Struggles and Trials. God gives wisdom liberally and without reproach. I love this idea that we can ask God for wisdom and that God will give it liberally and without reproach. And let me say this first. If any of you heard the word liberally and you thought politics, you need to shut off your TV. Because the Bible had these words before partisan American politics has these words. So if your first thought was, I can't believe they said liberal in the Bible. Or of course they said liberal in the Bible. It's been there the whole, no, listen, it's not political. It's spiritual. The idea of God giving liberally reminds me of something that just happened in my family. So it's the end of summer. Right? And so the kids are like, man, it's the end of summer. We're going back to school. And I'm like, let's go get ice cream. They're like, yeah. So we're like, we put the kids in the car. I we went to get ice cream. And we showed on up. Right? And we finally, we waited. And we, we, we get there. And they're giving our orders. And the lady's like, what size? Now, inside, I'm saying the big size. But I'm a man of self-control. And I'm not as young as I used to be. So if I eat the big size, it'll be with me on into eternity. So I'm like, I'll take a small size. And she's like, oh, you want the medium? And inside I'm like, yes. I'm like, no, no, the small. She's like, you want the medium? She's like in my head, this lady. And it's like my own personal struggle. And I'm like, no, I'll take the small size. Great. All good. Sure enough, when she gives me my ice cream, you know what she gave me? She gave me a big size. But she didn't charge me for the big size. Now, when this happens, I'm like, this is awesome. But then when I remembered this scripture, I'm like, this is how God gives wisdom. You're like, God, I just want a little wisdom. He's like, you want a lot of wisdom. No, no, I just need a little insight. He's like, no, I'm going to give you a ton. That's what it means that God gives wisdom liberally. You're asking for something. He's like, I'm going to give you so much more. That's what it means. And not only does God give wisdom when we ask for it in a liberal way, God does it without reproach. And I love that. God doesn't shame us for not being the alpha and the omega. God is not mad at you when you do not understand what you don't understand. He's not like, oh, yeah, you you think you're so smart. You don't know anything, but I'm God. I know everything. And so ha, ha, ha. He doesn't do that. So it takes out the issues. You're like, man, what if I ask for wisdom and God doesn't give it to me? Or what if I ask for wisdom and then God holds it against me? And both of those, James say, no, you're supposed to ask for wisdom and God wants you to have wisdom. 
And of course, that's what it says in Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. The whole book of Proverbs is about wisdom. Listen to Proverbs 2, 1 to 7. My son, if you receive my words and you treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment, you lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. So what it means is that if you don't know what to do, you should ask God, and God wants to give you wisdom, so you should ask for wisdom. But what's interesting is James doesn't just stop there because James gives one prerequisite. It's a big word. I would say prerequisite. Nobody wants to say it. I can't even say it. There's one stipulation for wisdom, and notice what he says. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now, here's the thing. It's easy to ask God for wisdom, but it's also easy to ask God for wisdom, not believing God's going to give it, or not really wanting the answer. Because haven't we all done that at some point? We ask somebody for advice. We don't really want their advice. I just had this happen recently. Someone said, hey, like, I, I want you to pray for me. I have some questions. I want you to tell me what you think. And I told them what I thought. They weren't even remotely interested in what I thought. They were going to do what they were going to do no matter what. And I realized that. I'm like, I don't care what I'm doing. Why am I worried about this? But what? We do it with Jesus all the time, don't we? We're like, Lord, I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. You already know what to do. And you don't really want God to tell you what to do because you want to do what you want to do. The common phrase is, the heart wants what the heart wants. And that's American speak for, I want to do it my way and not God's way. doesn't matter what God's wisdom is. I'm going to do my thing, my way. And here's the thing. When you ask God for wisdom with that, they're like, yeah, you're not going to get any wisdom, not because God doesn't want to give it to you, but actually you have no capacity to receive it. And he's saying that the person who asks doubting is like a wave in a storm. Just bash off. And many of us have felt like this. So you have to ask yourself, when I'm asking God for wisdom in the journey, do I really want God's wisdom? Or do I just want some biblical cover to do what I'm going to do? I just dropped that mic right in the middle of the sanctuary, just like that. But we have to ask in faith. And I think what happens is, is we have a tendency to want to live without faith because it's easier just to walk by sight, isn't it? And what's amazing is that what I've found is that when God gives wisdom at how to live, it always seems crazy in the beginning. And the only time we see the wisdom of God is after the fact, and you're like, I never would have done that, but that makes total sense. But a lot of times, we just want what we want. And the problem is, is that when we do it that way, we end up missing out on the life that God has for us. And so we need to ask for wisdom, and we need to ask for wisdom in faith. 
Notice it says, without doubting. And then when God speaks, I mean, there's this meme that's been running around. I keep saying it. It's hard to hear the voice of God when we already know the answer of what we want. It's pretty good, right? Like when you already know what you want the answer to be, then it's hard to hear the voice of God because you want what you want. I'll never forget when uh, God brought my bride Lynn and I together. I was talking to my pastor, John Henry, about it, and he, you know, we were, I was filling him in on everything. He's like, okay. I'm like, so do, what do I do? And he's like, well, listen, do you love her? Yes. Does she love you? I'm like, of course. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah. And he's like, are you guys going to get married? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. I'm like, okay. And he's like, but whatever you do, don't tell Hillary. That's his wife. Don't tell Hillary I told you this. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be juicy. And he's like, he's like, you should pray that God would shut it down. I'm like, what? And he's like, you should pray that God would shut it down. I'm like, why? He's like, because you love her, she loves you. You think God wants you to get married? So at this point, you're going to get married unless God shuts it down. And I'm like, I can see why you don't want me to tell Hillary that. She would say that it wasn't romantic. That's what he said. But he said, you should ask God to shut it down. So now I started praying. I'm like, Lord, if this isn't you, shut it down. Now, praise God he didn't shut it down, you know? But what's amazing is, is really what he's saying is that you need to trust God and not trust your own understanding. You shouldn't just let things roll the way the wind blows. I'm mixing metaphors. We need to trust God's wisdom. And sometimes God's wisdom is foolishness to humans. And actually, your Bibles tell you that, doesn't it? 1 Corinthians The wisdom of God is foolishness to people, but it is the wisdom of God. And so we need to ask for wisdom, and God will give it, and we need to ask without doubting. Now, from there, James continues to give us interesting things to think about, perspective to have. Look what it says in verse 9, James chapter 1. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation... Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Now, really what this teaches us is that you and I, we need to keep things in perspective. And the perspective here is seen through the lens of economic or social status. Now, back in the day when James was writing this, people who were wealthy and well-to-do and well-off were given special honor, and people who were impoverished were given less special honor. Sounds a little bit like the day and age in which we live. We have this tendency to think that people who have been successful, they get special treatment, and then people who aren't, they don't get special treatment. And what's beautiful is, is the Bible actually teaches right here that we need to put everything in the eternal perspective. And he's saying, for the lowly brother, for the, for the person who is impoverished, they should glory in their exaltation. Why? Because for the person who doesn't have a lot, when they believe in Jesus, they will be raised with Christ on the last day. So we shouldn't look at people based on the temporary details on this side of life, but when we have the eternal perspective, now all of a sudden we say, for somebody who is impoverished, they get to be risen with Jesus, so, so they're exalted. And in the same way, we should not overly uh, attribute amazing things to people who are wealthy. Notice because they're going to be humbled. Why? Because they're human. And what it is, is no matter how wealthy you are at some point, what is it that, you know, all humans have to deal with death and taxes, right? 
And so he's saying, listen, for someone who's wealthy, don't get focused on your wealth. Get focused on the fact that life is short. Your life is transitory. And what's amazing is, is James really quotes or brings an allusion to Isaiah chapter 40. Notice what he says. Here in James it says, because as a flower of the field will pass away, for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat, it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes. Listen to Isaiah 40, verse 6 to 8. The voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I say? All flesh is grass. And all of its loveliness is as the flower of the field. The grass withers, flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So what's fascinating is in looking at social or economic status here in James, it has nothing to do with what people should do with their money. It has everything to do with the perspective that you have. And the perspective should be, there's an eternity awaiting you and death comes to all of us. And for the person who believes in Jesus, exaltation is your future and really it's your present in Jesus. And for the person who has been wildly successful, death's gonna come to everybody. And so we need to keep things in better perspective of eternity and not just a few years. And I realize that's very controversial to say things like that in this day and age, where there's so much discussion and arguments about how people should be treated and why they should be treated. And the Bible's like, actually, you should just put everything in the, in the eternal perspective. We're all the same. And if for a person who is in Christ, we realize that the best is yet to come, no matter how successful we are. We don't mail in this day and age. We realize God wants to do a work now and later, but this life is transitory. And I keep thinking about this because when it comes to getting perspective, I keep hearing this phrase that if, it, if it's not going to matter in five years, then don't spend five minutes worrying about it. How many of you wish you could relive five years ago? <laughs> Some people are like, yes, because we spend so much time freaking out over all of these things. And in five years, you're like, what was I freaked out about? Like, you should go back. Actually, don't. I'll just tell you about it. You should go back and read all the headlines in the newspaper from five years ago and what they were worried about. And know what? None of that stuff happened. <laughs> Literally none of it happened. Right? And I guarantee you five years from now, all the stuff that everyone's flipping out about, is it going to be happening? Probably not. And when I talk to my 95-year-old grandma, she reminds me of that stuff. She's like, you know, all the stuff that people are freaking out about, like, it's not that it's not real, but it doesn't matter in a couple years. It's something that we just got ourselves worked up about. And that perspective, I think, for a believer is huge. Because as believers, we realize that we are travelers passing through this life. And the cares of this life are real, but they are not eternal. Like, what do you actually bring into eternity? Just your own soul, in Jesus' name. All the other stuff just stays behind. And so we need to learn how to keep things in perspective. We need one another to help keep perspective. And we really need the wisdom of godly people to speak into our lives. The greatest tragedy we have today is that when people need perspective, they crowdsource perspective from social media. 
Can I just say this? Do not get perspective from your friends on social media. If you are trying to get wisdom from TikTok and Facebook, gosh, get a grip, people. You need godly people who have a different perspective than what you have. I call this, this is the sin of Rehoboam. You know the Bible? There is uh, the son of Solomon. Solomon died and Rehoboam became king. And Rehoboam had two groups of people who were speaking into his life. One group was the older elders who had been advisors to his father Solomon. Then the other group was his buddies. And the wiser elders said, listen, Rehoboam, everybody's going to follow you, but your dad's been, he's been driving us hard. We've been building all this stuff. And listen, you should just lessen people's load so that they can kind of catch your breath. And they're going to follow you. We, we've done a lot. And then Rehoboam went to his buddies. He went on to his Facebook account. He's like, man, so these, these geezers, these boomers, using the modern phrase, I would never say that. He's like, these boomers want me to tell everybody that they could just chill out a little bit. And all of his friends were like, what? Got to get a grip. You tell them that my father, you think he was strong. If you think my father was a pinky, I'm going to be a middle finger. That's in fact what they tell him. They said, you tell those people that you think my dad was hard, I'm going to be 20 times as hard. And who did Rehoboam listen to? His buddies. And he's going to pay the dumb tax. Because sure enough, he tells them that. You know what happens? That day, the kingdom split in two. Ten tribes went to the north. He went from 12 tribes to two tribes in one dumb decision. Why? Because he crowdsourced wisdom from his buddies. Now, here's what I want to tell you. This is not a message that you young people need to listen to the older people. Here's what I want to tell you. You older people, you need to speak into the lives of younger people. You younger people, you need to speak into the lives of older people. Older people, you need the perspective of people who are younger. Younger people, you need perspective of the people who are older. I am grateful that I have people speak into my life who are older than me and younger than me. Because when you're older, you have the experience of time. They've seen different things that I haven't seen. And sometimes when someone shares the perspective of more times around the sun, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I'm not there, but then I hear it and it makes sense later. Sometimes God wants to do something fresh and we actually need new ideas because the old ways aren't really working. But you know what the key to this whole idea of getting perspective is? Being around people. And what I want to tell you is that when you crowdsource what you should do for your next big life decision, you're at the mercy of the immaturity of your friends. And I think that that's a big problem. We need people who are praying for us. You need the wisdom of people in different places of life than you are. There's an old saying, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. When you think about that, you think to yourself, I probably need to get some better friends. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just knocking. But seriously, I have a friend who says, Daniel, the most power in a person's life is who speaks into their life at the times of the greatest decisions that get made. I know what I keep finding over and over again in the body of Christ. When it's time to make important decisions, people are choosing really bad advisors. Like you're like, how is that biblical? That's what I say to myself. I'm like, how, how as a Christian person is that the perspective you're walking in? But what I realize is that people aren't in biblical community, they find people who will affirm their position, and then they do what their friends say that they should do. And I'm here to tell you, that's lunacy. 
So make sure you get in a group. You want an intergenerational perspective on these things. Not everything that the older generation did was right or wrong. There's good and bad. Now, you younger generation, I know, because I say stuff like this, people get mad. I know the younger generation right now is like, we're going to fix everything that the older people messed up. Listen, when, if you make it far enough to have kids, they're going to tell you that you were out to lunch too. That's just how it works. I thought my parents were out to lunch. My kids tell me I'm out to lunch. That's how it works. And so every generation's got different perspectives, but we need to keep perspective. Now, there's one more step that I want to take with you. We're looking at all these different types of perspective. Trials are purposeful. We need to ask for wisdom in faith. We just know we need to keep things in the eternal perspective. That no matter where you are, there's an eternity that awaits you. And then look what it says in verse 12. James 1. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived and it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So where the rubber meets the road, there is temptation. And really, James wants us to understand temptation. And you and I need to understand temptation because we live in a world that is full of temptation. Notice James ends by saying, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. That kind of grabbed my heart when I was studying it this morning. I've I've had this message prepped. I was ready to go. And when I was looking it over this morning, that last line just kind of grabbed me. Because James is like, my brothers and sisters who I love with the love of Jesus, make sure you don't miss this. Don't get this wrong. Now, notice what he says. First, he says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. That word blessed in the Greek is makarios, which we have in the Beatitudes, which if you've been around crosses, when we see the word blessed, we say what? Crazy happy is the person who endures temptation. Now, why is this so important? Because somebody who gives in to temptation is never happy after it. That's the one thing that's messed up about Satan. Satan is the definition of a toxic friend. Because Satan encourages you to do something that you know you shouldn't do, but you kind of want to do. And then once you do it, he spends the rest of your life shaming you because of it. Like, Satan is that guy. He encourages you to do things that are going to hurt you, hurt people, offend God. And then when you do it, he's going to spend the rest of your life rolling it out there and showing you, look at the dumb thing that you did. And that's why happy is the person who, when they're tempted, they endure temptation. Jesus is real. That hard time you're going through, guess what? You can make it. That temptation you're facing, you can resist. How in the world is that possible? Well, Pastor Daniel told you today, you lean into the goodness and faithfulness of Jesus. The Bible tells us that we'll endure trials, but that we're not alone. We have the Lord by our side. And the book of James tells you to ask God specifically for wisdom to know what to do and perspective for the situation. God will give you both abundantly. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you 
you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will encourage you to dig deeper into James and apply what you find. It's not going to be an easy study, but the lessons you'll be learning from this book can radically change who you are and how you live in this world. Pastor Daniel will also remind you to remember you have a companion in this life, the Holy Spirit, your constant connection to the light of the world. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Where the Rubber Meets the Road. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.